be honest, like Trello doesn't make sense to pay per user. Huh? Why? Because imagine if you have a large team and you're organizing it, right? Like you end up paying a lot even if you just want people to come in and view it for business class. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Launch Bite. I am your host, Chris Chai, and with me is my regular co-host, Brian Lee. Hello. This is a podcast where we talk about entrepreneurship in Singapore and other random things that interest us. In this show, we talk about the shifting SaaS model and what it might mean for us in the future. Hey, Brian. Hello. It's been a while. Couple yes. Of weeks. Two weeks, two yeah, weeks, two weeks. We've been pretty weeks. busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two weeks. We are busy with Olympics, I know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sure. And you, or you, just when we talk about it, you, you did not manage to catch the live, but you caught the replay, right? Yeah, yeah, Olympics. yeah. Uh, so I guess I woke up and then after that I saw the news and then I started to look for the videos and stuff of the um of uh Joseph schooling. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Like this is this is definitely a step and a huge step for the Singapore sporting community. Yeah, yeah, and uh. There, there are a lot of feedback from this also. Uh, it shows that, uh, you know, we dare to dream and actually we we also can produce outstanding sportsmen. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, the, 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 I just want to add one thing about this is, uh, so, you know about the sponsorship that people are always talking about, like, uh, like how... Uh, Joseph Schooling, he is able to go US and train because the his background allows him to financially do it. Yeah, uh, sure. So, actually, it's quite interesting. Why? Uh, so right now, trending uh, among my sports group is like, uh, you know, the sports sports council never really mm, put in a lot of effort to sponsor athletes because there's one rowing right. lady, right? She doesn't yeah. get a lot of sponsorship, but she also went for herself. I mean, all these uh, uh, like obstacles, uh, all this cause the athlete to be more hungry to prove, and I think that really helps us. Because I was talking to uh, Li Juan, uh, we were talking about the part where if we give them a lot of uh, monetary benefit, maybe they might not be as hungry. And I just want to highlight this point. Mm. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. So, because they uh, wanted to prove, ma, you don't give me anything, but I still can do it. Well, then it becomes a diff- it's like 120% all out. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But uh, I, it's, it's like a balance of whether or not you have the resources to prove it or whether or not you, know, you have the drive to do it. La. So, if you have a good combination of both, then you can really shine. Yeah, yeah actually quite true. Uh. Now, on my Facebook feed, there are only two things. Pokemon and Joseph Schooling. Yeah. <laughs> then the rest. Yeah, same. <laughs> and uh, yesterday I wanted to. Uh, two interesting thing is the first thing is you you know the time right that he finished the uh the four D the lottery actually sold out yeah. within an hour. That's the first thing. Second thing I went to go and find is the domain name. So josephschooling dot com already be bought. That's the first uh-huh. thing. Uh, so but I did share that uh, josephschooling swimschool dot com has not been bought. So, so to my dear listeners out there, anyone want to pick up the opportunity, right? Now is the time to hold for 10 years. This is like holding yeah. a stock. 10 years Did later, it? he's opening a swim school, right? He might come and buy from you. <laughs> <laughs> buy now, because there's an Ang Peng Xiong swim school, right? Something like that, yeah. 
the, the, the national wow. swimmer also. Okay. Yeah. So there might be a, a similar opportunity down there. Yeah, you know, after he's retired, after his third Olympics, you know, gotta do something, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, come, let's start on our assess. Okay, yeah, so I guess today's topic is pretty interesting. Um, mm. It's about the idea that the SaaS model has been kind of the mainstay for a lot of the startups um, in this couple of years. So mm-hmm. um, this article talks about how the SaaS model is ripe for disruption mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and why is it that we've come to a point where the SaaS model has been applied to almost everything, but it doesn't make sense for everything. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he explores what are the different kinds of ways that you can charge your customers and whether or not those models make sense. Uh, to me, this has always kind of been a case. Business models will change, will shift according to how the customers like it. And uh, it's even more interesting when you want to look at how we are offering online digital services to a very, very much larger audience than um previous businesses were at least at the scale that we are at that previous businesses were able to so yeah brian what are your thoughts about it uh i actually like for the article right so where after i read it uh i like uh i agree with some of the parts that they talk about um, so there are actually five points that uh in this podcast that we will be discussing on mm, mm. Uh, the five points uh, will actually be there might be a potential of the return of the desktop apps uh, yeah. And of course, self, self-hosted cloud application, mm-hmm. pay once web app, all-in-one, and also micro SaaS, which we'll be talking about. But on the whole, I think SaaS is here to stay. And uh, there are reports that, not reports, but there are studies uh, that companies are willing to take up SaaS instead of buying a uh, one-time fee application. Mm. And of course, uh, small smaller businesses like... Uh, uh, like yours and mine and many right. who are coming out I mean the new generation of entrepreneurs or new generation not new generation the younger generation of uh, entrepreneurs and also uh, PMETs managers they might be able to convince their, uh, uh, their their superior that hey actually I need this software but this software only costs uh, $19 per month only uh, my team member three of them will be using it so it's, mm-hmm. it, I mean stats will be uh, Viable or for this kind of SMB yeah, environment? I think maybe let's talk about like the benefits of adopting a SaaS system from the customer's point of view, right? Yes, yes. So one of the first main things is that um, traditionally, big companies had IT departments who would uh, buy software and install it on all your uh, users' computers. And then whenever there was a technical issue, they would have to come in and resolve it. Yes. Uh, whereas for a SaaS model, you uh, take away this responsibility. So instead of, uh, you know, say installing Office on all your computers and making sure that it works, now there's Office 365 mm. where you can access it online and it's a subscription-based thing. So you kind of uh, remove the need for an internal technical department to handle it, now, right? Mm. Uh, second advantage is that the subscription fee model makes it much easier for a lot of companies to swallow. So again, instead of paying uh, 10, 20,000 for at one shot to buy and purchase the license for the software, you pay a monthly fee and you spread out that cost over a longer time. Mm-hmm. And Actually, you don't have to, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to add. So for example, sometimes uh, in the past, right, people have to buy uh, 
like I want to buy Microsoft Access, I deem that it's super awesome. So I pay mm-hmm. maybe $300 one time, only to realize, hey, actually Access is not that awesome. Uh, but Sash, right, because it's a monthly fee, then you can use two months and after that, uh, you can give up on and say, oh, this is not for me, I want to go to other software and all. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's exactly. e- so easier to drop also. Uh, the, uh, that's how I see it, uh, the benefit. That means it's easier to take up because of the lower cost, but it's also mm-hmm. easier to drop. Yeah, exactly. And uh, actually to that, right, it's much easier to deploy as well mm-hmm. because it's so much easier to um, swap out, like say, hey guys, don't use, uh, say, this accounting software A. Uh, now go and log into accounting software B. We will be continuing from there. You don't have to get everyone to uninstall. You can just like cancel the subscription and it will stop it for everyone already. So management on a cloud-based system is uh, a lot more central, a lot easier to manage. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I agree with that. The, the challenge here is enterprise software being for SMB. SMB might not be so uh, right, specific, right. but enterprise, they will always be saying, you know, how about security? How about security? That's always the thing about it. Yeah. Correct. So there are uh, downsides to it, like you said, uh, security and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, I think the other models that we're going to be talking about would be more appealing to these kinds of customers where security is a lot higher concern than the convenience of having a cloud-based mm. system. Uh, so yeah, there are a bunch of other uh, advantages to SaaS services. Uh, but I think we covered most of the major ones. So yeah, so let me, let's start at the first point, right? The mm-hmm. return of the desktop apps. That sounds like a movie title, but <laughs> what? how do you think like uh, desktop apps are nowadays? And are there any desktop apps that you use right now? Actually, yes, and only one. Mm. What? Sketch, huh? Yeah. I was thinking about that as well. <laughs> that's the and that's the only one that I uh have it. Desktop apps. No. Mm-hmm. Um I have sketch that I paid for and I'm gonna share it here. I use someone else school's account, thing thing thing. Okay, but <laughs> so to get a like, discount, but then um there are no more. I only have one, yeah, definitely one. Right, right. Well, as a programmer, I use a bunch of things. We actually use Sublime 2, right? Sublime 2 is a desktop app, but you don't pay. I'm talking about paid. You're talking about paid, right? Oh. I paid. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, uh, I do use, because as a programmer, um, our IDEs generally are either free or... Uh, I, I, okay, I'm not talking about, like... Parenting. I wasn't really thinking about costs. I was just thinking about um, whether... I use services that are purely online or on the desktop, but you're right. And this conversation is going to be about whether or not you pay and download the app. I use a bunch of desktop apps, actually. Mm-hmm. Some of them I paid for, some of them I... They're just free. Oh. Uh, for example, Sublime yeah. is free, but they just yeah, yeah. Get having a prom, a prom, a prom after a certain save, amount save. Uh, but I'm okay Correct. with that. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's specifically because of uh, my profession that mm-hmm. it's advantageous to use things that can be run offline or that run directly on the desktop and I'll be willing to pay for it because of um, how much easier it makes my life so if I'm sure there are a lot of uh, vector software that's online mm-hmm. uh, but I still prefer using sketch on my desktop just because 
it gives me a lot more flexibility. It's a lot more uh, robust, a lot more flexible, a lot more, a lot more quicker. Yeah. I'm not a designer per se, but even I also cannot take the online uh, vector uh, software because, mm. okay, I'm not talking about the internet speed, but sometimes the, the, it's not as smooth as you want it to be. Uh, I'm only using it to like change shape and all whatever those normal stuff, but it's still not mm. as smooth as having a desktop like Illustrator, a desktop uh, design app, uh, I will call it, or these creative right, right. kind of apps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Experience is different, or maybe we have to wait until the browser technology to get even more awesome. Correct. So the other thing is, uh, I suppose because of the nature of it, because you don't really need to share uh-huh. Sketch with other people, uh-huh. it makes a lot more sense for it to be a desktop application as well. So this is a use case where you don't really have much collaboration. Uh, if you wanted to, you share the images by um, some other service or sending over a message or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it's a model that works well for a desktop app. There's another model uh, for the return of the desktop app, right? Could be text editor. Mm, if you're into, right. um, so text editor is kind of different from IDE, I think, in my opinion. Text editor, I'm talking about like things like ByWord, IA Writer, then uh, Writer's Pro. This kind of uh, software where you write on it, right? right? Where you write in Markdown and you can export as HTML or rich text. Sure, uh, but can you share these across your different devices? Uh, you would need to buy two. So, for example, ByWord, I have to buy the desktop app, uh, uh, Mac app. Uh, yeah. That's the first thing. Then I also have to buy the iOS in order for them to share the same iCloud. Okay, yeah. Mm. Mm. I, so I would you consider that a desktop app or would you still consider it a cloud system? Oh yeah, huh? Um, mm. What, so what do you think? I, to me, to me, ByWord. I, earlier I forgot to say, I actually have ByWord. I bought for ByWord. ByWord yeah. too, I actually paid for it. Six nine nine Mac app. Uh, to me, it's a desktop app because it's installed on my desktop. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't only... I guess it will still work on the desktop if like the service goes down. Oh, yeah, it, it, it still works on the desktop when, there's, uh, when there's no internet connection. And that's where mm. I... Uh, on the iOS, uh, I also use it also. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it, it gets a little bit blurry to yeah, describe yeah, yeah. this because there are a lot of uh, applications which I have on my um, iOS device and my desktop that... I consider native applications. However, without their uh, cloud, without the service that they provide in the background, that's something that um, I would feel makes it a lot less useful. Uh, so you're saying, for example, like uh, Excel is definitely a desktop app because uh-huh. uh, even without the cloud sharing and uh, whatever things, it's yeah. still a very useful tool itself. Correct. Ah, okay. Yeah, you okay, can okay. save the files and you can share it by other means. So it is not uh, necessarily dependent on mm. uh, the cloud system. Whereas if you talk about something like 
um, your writer app where mm. it syncs across different devices and that's their selling point, then to me that blurs the line between a desktop application and a SaaS. Mm. Um, they charge uh, single time, but that's something that we're going to be talking about later. Mm. They charge single time, um, but I would still consider them um, a cloud system at the very least. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Okay, yeah, so we spent quite a lot of time on this topic. Uh, mainly because <laughs> yes. it's very <clears throat> it's very hard to define this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really depends on the use case. If your use case works for the desktop app where, uh, to me, the Adobe shift to a cloud-based subscription thing mm-hmm. never made any sense. Already, but they have yeah. been doing very well in their revenue. <laughs> where... Yes, but... It's so expensive for me as a, as someone who would be you know designing with their software. I suppose if you're the kind of studio that would uh, update to the latest uh, Adobe, say Photoshop or anything uh-huh. at the end of the year anyway, then this makes actually better sense for you. Uh-huh. But for people who have just that one need, you don't really need the latest software. You just want to buy it one off. Um, I wish I had the option to now, at uh-huh. least. I'm not sure if you can still buy like CS 5.5 and CS 6. Uh, I'm not sure, yeah. but I know that uh, Microsoft, you can. Microsoft, you, you can still buy like spend 231 and you can mm. get the Microsoft Office all on one local machine. One yeah. license. Uh. Yeah. But I think uh, Return of the Desktop app, that if you really want to dive deep, I have some thoughts on it that we can maybe can be used for another episode because uh now you can also have the one that you're talking about where the blur reline of like the Mac desktop apps, right? Where right, they right. connect to the cloud. And uh some apps right now they are using this uh I think GitHub has this Electron JS uh, where you mm. can package the thing and make it look like a desktop app and people can install and but actually yeah. it talks it's a web app that talks to the cloud and all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, moving on. Uh, mm-hmm. The next item that we kind of wanted to talk about as a different model is the idea of self-hosted cloud applications. So the best example of this that I think you gave was uh, WordPress. WordPress yes. is self-hosted yeah. or you can use their service to host it and mm-hmm. ultimately it is something that you would be responsible for. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about this model and how do you think it's more helpful? I I uh I think this model is very smart because if you are not very technical and at the initial stage that you would think that you when you are doing self hosting you might save uh some uh, dollars and cents so this is a typical behavior I had last time before I had some uh, technical knowledge I'll go to self hosted I'll try to go online and try to follow uh, what they do after mm. I met up with all the uh, one-click WordPress install and have problem with uploading to FTP, then I start to ask myself, why am I wasting all this time? Even I'm saying <laughs> that few, or maybe that $9 per month, should I just go WordPress.com and just pay $9 a month and everything will become magic? The, right, this right. this self-hosted part uh, actually makes me realize that, uh, hey, why not I just pay for the cloud service? It's easier. Uh, that's the mm. first thing. But the second thing about here is uh, the... The the ability to have a self-hosted if you are if you have the capability or the technical capability here, um, you might only need to buy once and you can use it for a long period of time. 
Yeah. Right, right. And for example, if I'm running a forum, then I will yeah. uh, discourse. So discourse is a 99, uh, uh, it's a self-hosted software you can buy, I think, for 99, and uh, mm -hmm. it will be yours. And uh, yeah. if I'm running a forum in the next three years, I don't deem to be making huge changes, then uh, if and, and I know how to deploy, I'll just buy it. Right, right. Yeah, I've been saving a ton. So I think uh, I, I like the idea of self-hosted software more than the return of the desktop. Right? Yeah, I think uh, it's a nice evolution of things. It's been around for a while. You think about uh, things like Jira mm -hmm. or um, WordPress, any of these GitLab software, yeah. GitLabs. Yeah. Uh, some of them provide a free self-hosted cloud application and uh -huh. uh, there are some people who would charge a license to download it and buy it and download it once. Mm -hmm. So it moves the responsibility of hosting the service from the service provider to the customer. Uh, if you're confident enough of maintaining it yourself, then that's great. But then the question is, how much support does the service provider give, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in WordPress's case, you can pay for support on an hourly basis. It's pretty straightforward. And you can also uh, use their own hosted servers so that you know that they have created a server that is uh, ideal for their WordPress blog, mm -hmm. right? So there are those options there. Uh, the way I look at it, if you want to apply this model to your own business, there has to be a lot of planning, a lot of thought put into it, and also a lot of resources that are dedicated towards uh, creating this model because it's not simple you have to consider like what are the different kinds of servers that they would use what are the possible things that could go wrong how do you guide people to set it up and how do you provide support for people who uh, make mistakes because right now it is not as not always as easy as a one-click install mm -hmm. for most applications yes there's a lot of underlying uh, infrastructure you need to set up so yeah I don't know if this is really a model that a lot of startups can adopt especially in the early stage mm -hmm. yeah so we'll talk about about this at the end of the, the five points but um it's a it's a question of can i get the benefits of this or are the benefits of this worth it at this point in our product cycle yeah i agree on that the infrastructure thing is a pain then you'll slowly realize that maybe i just pay for the cloud hosting correct yeah <laughs> Okay, uh, so yeah, next point. Uh, pay once web apps, which is interesting. Uh, oh, this is super crazy. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example of a service that does this, but I can't. <laughs> oh, this is the one in the article. The example that they give is a, a company called Know Your Company. And right. uh, it's only run by two person. They charge uh -huh. 100 per employee. So if you've got 20 employees, that's 2,000. You pay once. No recurring fee, no maintenance fee, and you use it forever. Yeah, it's a lifetime uh, fee. Well, so, I, 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 uh, at first I was thinking, how are they able to uh, uh, do their maintenance on a monthly basis? Uh, because they have server costs, there's all the uh, uh, maintenance costs, they, they also need to update the app and whatever not. And earlier on when I was talking to you, that I realized, hey, there's a chance that the employee don't stay that long. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. because right. once they, like you've got 20 employees, you pay 2000 one employee left, another employee comes in, and uh, you pay for that new $100 again. 
Right, right. Uh, so this could be a good example. The example that you gave was also a good one from your own uh, perspective. The oh, you mean the licensing sphere? thing? Uh, because okay. the sphere so, for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the idea is that instead of recurring it over a few months, you kind of decide how long the customer's life cycle is going to be for you. Mm-hmm. And then you charge for maybe like a one year or two year um licensing fee i suppose yes so like a package so in in our case of course we want them to be um to stay with us recurring for a long time um but the idea is accounting wise it's a lot easier for them to put up um one to two years worth of costs if they know that they're going to stay with the system for that long yeah uh, and it makes it much more convenient uh. so it's it's sort of a hybrid between paying once and monthly recurring, I guess, annual fees. But this is something that most companies like to do too. Evernote does it annually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think uh, I, I forgot about this part and you are exactly right. Uh, companies, right, they love to pay, no, 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 as in locally uh, from what we know, they love mm, to mm. pay annually. Like they will be saying, okay, I, I, I'm not interested in paying like monthly. Very, yeah, very troublesome. Yeah. And uh, how about... Uh, Three thousand a year, I pay you, and everything I have it, something like that. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. they really go for annual. That's the that's the first thing. And then the second thing about this is, I just realized. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, let's take four system. One shot, they pay once, use for two years, and because mm-hmm. they are so entrenched or how do I, because they are very deep into the system already, all the data are inside. The next evolution for them is to. Just call you and say, hey, can I extend this for another two years? Here's another 2,000, uh, for example. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also a very viable strategy, I think. Mm-hmm. The, the, but the space is slightly different if you are looking at SaaS for uh, individuals. Like, in this case, it's 100 per employee one time. Sure. I... I I still don't know how, but that's because I haven't we we haven't looked into the service that they are providing. But I still, I don't know how know your company. Hmm. So besides this, I don't know any other companies that can pay once and use forever. <laughs> um, that's true. Pay once and use forever. <laughs> you can also compare it to return of the desktop app. Like for example, Excel, you pay once and use. Actually, you don't use forever because when uh, there will be a time where your app will start to cannot, uh, it's not compatible with the new releases of Excel. But that's also some time away, like maybe two, three years. Mm. Yeah, I'm reading through Know Your Company's website to see what they do. Uh, they seem to be sort of a HR um, management mm-hmm. service where they they try to get a feel of how your employees are feeling, you know, what they feel about your business, the work, the culture, and that allows them to give you the feedback. So it feels like, uh, it feels like a feedback system. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I can see, I can see why the model fits their use case, because this is not something that the employees will use day to day. This is something that, um, you will get value off once in a while mm-hmm. and you won't really want to maintain this continuously but if you pay it once you will just keep it around um, 
there are probably some services that are like that. Uh, and this pay once per user can also be translated into something like pay once per project. So it's, it's, a, it's a model that fits very specific use cases. Mm, pay once per day. project, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, actually some of the companies, uh, I think if you, if you come to think of it, pay once per project makes uh, a lot of sense. Mm. Like for example, uh, architect drawing, uh, yeah. you may be, because uh, if you are running these capital in- intensive uh, projects like those infrastructure buildings and all, and mm-hmm. uh, and you get a software and use it only for this project, you will put this cost under that project itself. So, so if you are buying those uh, monthly recurring, it doesn't make sense. Uh, this, this kind of, I buy once and I use it, if the next time I'm not using it, then it's okay because there's no more recurring, no more uh, maintenance for it already. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. So I think that's a pretty interesting model and that's something that I completely agree with. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's check out the next one. What's the all-in-one? All-in-one is <laughs> crazy. All-in-one is like, uh, I think what it's trying to say is, uh, for example, the example that it gave was, uh, uh, what's that company? Uh? Uh, Hi-Rise. So Hi-Rise is a CRM mm. tool. Uh, it was mm-hmm. used to be by... Uh, 37 signal that it passed it to someone else is looking after it and uh, yeah. recently he has added uh, email uh, features into it so meaning uh-huh. that uh, if you are if you used to have a CRM and using MailChimp together now mm-hmm. you don't need to you just need to use Highrise and you also get the you will also get the uh, emailing features uh, for a few dollars more and all and I think this is where the conversion of uh, SaaS apps are going for especially those going for a small medium business those mm-hmm. kind of project management tool uh, who knows that uh, Trello might be adding uh, email feature in soon uh, I mean for example mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, yeah. so the conversion of in this all in one is there will be one app that you are using which is like a central command post or command center and right. this command center will slowly start to extend to uh, different services and uh, I think another one will be Slack but Slack is of, of course using third-party integration and slowly making it used as a command center and from there, uh, you can use a lot more stuff. So that's the thing, right? Um, Slack isn't an all-in-one. It is a central integration platform uh-huh. in a way. And uh, that's, I mean, based on what I'm doing with my own startup, is something that I completely believe in and that you cannot predict the behavior of every single customer that you want to tackle. So the more you try to provide the all-in-one service, right, uh-huh. the more people you alienate because your email service is not exactly what they need. They want something that's exactly like MailChimp. Your email service is not what they need. They want something more like SendGrid. Mm-hmm. So having that option, having that integration with other services gives you that flexibility of capturing you know, the customers that you would not have been able to if you were locked into your own email service your own email service okay so yeah. um, I see from here that the all-in-one service right is uh, one part where hmm, I mean all startups cannot immediately start off as the all-in-one uh, definitely yeah for sure uh, yeah um, and right now how the big uh, 
big startups that are doing it is they by offering third-party integration. Like for example, mm-hmm. Trello is doing Power Up, Asana is using RESTful extension, and I Correct. mean they have RESTful API for extension. And Slack yeah. is also introducing bots and all. And this mm-hmm. is how they hope. It, it, it's a new kind of uh, all-in-one for them because you can. I have third parties developing uh, different tools, and yeah, you can yeah. choose from there. Correct. Um, but this, this in in this article is saying that one app that does everything. But this one app that does everything, uh, that's why at the start I say it's very crazy because very hard. It's like the old Microsoft. It's like Microsoft Office. Uh, yeah. One app that does everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I I, I don't actually. Uh, I don't super agree with this, but uh, I think all in one, the new form of all in one, where there's third party integration, is where a lot of SaaS apps are converging to. Like yeah. uh, like uh, people are always trying to be the API or everything. No, no, yeah, the API is the command post, then you are the. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's how I see it. Uh. Yeah, I think I think if it fits your needs and this all-in-one service has the you can work within its uh, workflow, then that's great. But um, for the most part, integration seems to be a lot more flexible. And again, it's relatively it's relatively new for a lot of businesses to adopt. It's only us as like very tech-savvy companies uh, who are able to really figure out how the integration works for us. Mm. That's where. Um, you know, we can take full advantage of it, but we still end up paying a lot of individual subscription fees for all the different services that we use. Okay, yeah. So the final one uh, is microservices built on bigger platforms. Do you want to talk about it, Brian? Oh, yes. This one, mm. uh, this one I'm very interested. And I think this is uh, very viable to do now. So mm-hmm. earlier on when we started, we talked about there are a lot of SaaS products out there. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of SaaS products out there. You can find yeah. 1,001 different email programs that you can use. Same like apps, yep, there yep. are 1,001. But mm. uh, some of these uh, SaaS products, they have become uh, a platform themselves, which they are mm-hmm. trying to, to which they are trying to become an all-in-one service, uh, which they are the central command post and third-party developers build the extension for them. And, yes. uh, and I think uh, so, they call it solopreneurs la, but I think any anyone who is bootstrapping or anyone who is thinking of starting a small business has the capability to do so can mm-hmm. start off from this angle maybe building oh, yeah, the, sure. maybe building a uh, uh, what do you call it a referral kind, referral kind of tool for Shopify uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people making <coughs> this kind of tool for Shopify or uh Helping them to like one click to uh, edit some of the team in Shopify or even uh, working on top of Dropbox platform. There's one mm. that is called JustCast. Uh, I used it yesterday. JustCast, where you can immediately set up a podcast and uh-huh. uh, all your files are hon- hosted on Dropbox. So mm. you remember in the past when I was trying to do uh, LaunchBite on uh, like setting our own server, I mean, waste a lot of time. Uh. Yesterday I just clicked, right? Within five minutes, I'm a podcast up. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was testing out uh, just cast uh it's built on top of Dropbox. Then all this yeah. they are charging for a small fee like five dollars every month and, uh, and 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 I think it's a very way, very viable way to test yeah. and to uh build onto bigger platform. Yeah. Um so what I do is 
if I want to do a to-do list app or if I want mm. to do a project management app uh, for a certain industry, I might not want to build a project management tool immediately. I might leverage on Trello or I might leverage on Asana and I just right, become right. an extension of them first. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could be a way. Uh, so I'm very excited about this micro testing. But whether is it able to become the mix multi-million from the micro This, I don't know. Uh, I think, so the way I look at it, right, these platforms make it easier for you to innovate in a very specific area. And if you can see that a lot of people want this service, mm. that's where you will start to invest more resources into creating something that's a lot more robust. Because the, you're limited by what these platforms provide, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's say the uploading the podcast uh, through the Dropbox platform, you're probably limited to uh, certain information that you can put in in a certain format that you can uh, keep up and it will generate some sort of RSS feed for your listeners to listen to. But what if um, you run out of space? What if you've got uh, more you know, functionality that you want? You want to see the kind of analytics when people listen to your show, where do they stop? Things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then there's the point where you start to hear feedback from your customers and you can create a whole new platform that can do all of this that might or might not still use Dropbox, uh-huh. but it gives you a good foundation to just quickly test the idea without having to deal with, oh, how do I manage files? How do I make sure that it's synced? How do I you know, share it across multiple people without breaking the bank in terms of like server costs? Yeah, actually, I took the, the part about the uh, storage, storage space, right? Hmm. Uh, so... Another hurdle, uh, just to share, is, for example, let's say someone is using Trello as a project management tool and you are building the next uh, uh, power-up for yeah. uh, extension for them. So they have to pay for Trello. So mm-hmm. they are paying like uh, $10 every month, maybe for a team of six. Yeah. And they also have to pay for your one, which is like, say, $5 every month. And mm-hmm. uh, it could add up the cost also. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, but because they do not, uh, how do I put it? Because they, uh, are, maybe they are very entrenched in Trello already and right, right, Trello right. does not have that feature and you have and some companies might find it, hey, why not we just pay this additional $5 and we can use it? No. Yeah. Uh, so it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I, 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 I totally agree that this is a very good uh, MVP or a way to validate and uh, yeah, once the sure. storage space uh, reach uh, maximum for them and they are complaining about certain stuff that Dropbox doesn't do, you create your, you, you exactly find the problem and you can go in for the exact uh, product market fit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, so I think that pretty much brings us to the end of the five uh, kinds of possible opportunities that are coming from the change in the SaaS model, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so... I think one of the main takeaways that I got from this article is that it really depends on what your customer's use case is. If you can figure out what kind of uh, pricing model makes the most sense for them in terms of how they use it, uh-huh. then that is the business model that you should be going after. It's not really that you know SaaS or desktop charging one-time fees would work for everyone. It's figuring out where to get the value from. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. per user or per project kind of basis. Yeah. And from my point of view, 
from this article is uh, the microsense. I'm very excited about this, and mm -hmm. of course, uh, I'm working something on the SAS model also, and um, and I deem that uh, if anyone is looking to start out, we they are trying to build any 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 kind of stuff like, on the SAS level, they should actually explore the kind of microsense, which is becoming an extension to a bigger platform first, because. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's say if you are building a chatbot, you, not chatbot, sorry, you are building a chat platform for business, you can definitely cannot compete with Slack on this level right now, but you can leverage sure. on Slack itself. Yeah. Or project yeah. management too, they are the big two giant, the Trello and of course uh, Asana and I think Basecamp, they also uh, they have also have API where you can become an extension to it. I mean, um, there is definitely opportunities uh, in Microsoft. Yeah, so again, also it depends on really the kind of model or support you want to put forward. So if you're a one-time fee, do you still introduce new features? Do you provide like 24-hour support? Um, because the more you do, the more money you lose essentially because you're not getting recurring to cover this kind of cost. Mm -hmm. right? I, so, yeah, yeah. I, w I wouldn't be uh, uh, not a super big fan for a one-time payoff, but... Mm -hmm. uh, Recurring, also be a hybrid, yeah, yeah, yeah a, a recurring, yes. and you, maybe you pay for support or you pay for upgrades, things like that. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, <clears throat> I think actually, actually there's an interesting, sorry. yeah, well, yeah, sorry, yeah, one more thing that just yeah. came to mind. There's an interesting model that I haven't really seen uh, software take yet. Oh, like what? Yes, DLC. Yes. Huh? So the idea, uh, if you play a lot of games, right? Uh huh. So um, you go buy the base game and then uh, after a while they will continue development and support for it and then they will release a new expansion or update um, which right now we are calling downloadable content, right? Mm -hmm. um, there hasn't really been any software that has provided their services as DLC. So can you give me an example? Like for example, if you are an accounting app, how would DLC be? Uh, maybe some sort of HR feature. That, okay. I guess that's still a recurring thing. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it because there really isn't a good example of it right now. But in terms of um, in terms of feature sets and stuff like that, I kind of feel like it is possible to say, hey, you know, we've developed this new feature. If you want access to it, uh, pay for this and it will unlock on your application. Oh, okay, okay, right. okay, okay. Yeah, that's viable too, eh? That's, uh... Hmm. Yeah, but it's not something that's very common. Um, I think it applies mainly to things like POS systems as well. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a feature unlock. And it doesn't... To me, I've also been kind of thinking that it doesn't really make sense to pay subscription fees monthly uh, to maintain it. And it makes sense to pay monthly to maintain it. But if you want more features, I kind of feel that it should be... Uh, single time cost only I shouldn't penalize you for waiting for features that you're waiting for if they're coming mm -hmm. or features that you're not going to use anyway yeah so yeah it, it, it could be a thing that you know you heard it here first haha <laughs> 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 alright cool so yeah any last thoughts on this Brian uh no but uh I'm, I'm working something on the micro and keep you updated <laughs> Yeah, definitely excited to hear about that. Uh, do you have a pick of the week, Brian? Oh. Haha, <laughs> forgot, right? No, no, no. 
what what did I talk about uh, earlier on? That tell you the, uh, what do you choose? Actually, I also forgot. Wait. <laughs> so, uh, I guess on my end again is another, um, another sort of project that I funded. Wow, you're a big fan of Kickstarter. Uh, so this was a I can't remember if it was Kickstarter or Indigo, but it's a local company. Um, they do. Uh, okay, so the company's name is Arxbot. Uh, uh-huh. They do electric penny boards. Oh, I so, uh, so the penny board is the small skateboard that you see me bring to office once in a while last time, uh-huh. um, especially before the MRT was around. So it's the penny board is a more portable version of the skateboard or a longboard. Now. So it's great for people who commute and they just want something to uh, get around um, for a short distance because it's it's maybe like six seven inches long actually no probably closer to 12 inches long sorry and uh it's very portable you can put it in your bag you can just carry it with your hand uh it doesn't get in the way which the longboard does a lot of the times and we've been seeing a lot of electric longboards coming out of the u.s mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. this Penny board, electric penny board is like the first of its kind that I've seen, and it's made by a bunch of Singaporean guys who have been doing this as a side project. Wow. Um, so you can check out their website, it's arcsport.com, um, I believe. And uh, they, are, they are doing their first run pretty soon. So uh, yeah, you can pick it up for a couple of hundred bucks, I think. So check it out. For me, I think uh, it's the one that I introduced to you earlier on. I, I think I share it in. Uh, our chat group uh. anyway it's from Taobao <laughs> it's those minimalist then it's not 100 plus it's just uh. $15 but the, you remember I, I, I show you, sh- share with you a link where uh, this Taobao shop they sells a lot of a wooden stand for you to put your iPhone iPad yeah, yeah. it looks really pretty yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and that one is like straightforward take my money because it's only like $15 uh, plus shipping whatever I let you become $20 uh, very uh, a lot of uh Muji feel very woody mm-hmm. and uh, allows you to put your iPad, your some of your stationaries, your scissors, and not. Uh, I'll, I'll be sharing the photos and uh, uh, the things are quite affordable, like fifteen to twenty dollars uh, range. Um, and coming back to Kickstarter, I have one point to add. Actually, Kickstarter is coming to Singapore, correct? Yeah. And I. Okay, I launched on the Indiegogo before la, for the for Intrex. I thought of doing something mm-hmm. on my own. Like uh-huh. I, I don't know, like uh, uh, making jeans, making bag, making bag is something. Is like uh on the back of my mind, like I really want to do all like make a canvas <laughs> bag, a tote bag that I sew myself. Then if there are, there are, if there are like say, uh, thirty orders, they'll sit at home and keep sewing the thirty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> no. Yes. Handcrafted. <laughs> Handcrafted. Right. That's definitely handmade. Um. Yeah. Yes. My pick will be your. Your pick is the board, and my pick is uh-huh. this uh stationary rack for the nice. iPad and iPhone. Okay. Awesome. Mm. All right. So I guess uh Brian, where can we find more about you? You can find me on Twitter at l e e t u c k s i n g. You can also find me on Twitter as well at a n t t y c. So thank you guys for listening and we will catch you guys soon. Bye-bye. All right.